Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Finding Peaks. Your host, president and founder, company cheerleader, Christopher Michael Burns. Grateful to be here. Happy Sunday. Um, beautiful day to have a Finding Peaks show, and even more beautiful day to bring on an exceptional professional, but an even better human, Nicholas Dara. Welcome to the show, buddy. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Absolutely. Love to have you. Nick is not only in long-term recovery from his mental health, but he also works in the field. Yeah. Um, what is your current position that you work with uh, in the field? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the IOP program manager, and I supervise a case management team as well. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And why that is so cool um, is I want to introduce Nick is our first, first ever graduate of what was and is now Peaks Recovery Centers and what was Triple Peaks Recovery. And he graduated from an extended care young adult program that was a minimum commitment of six months, followed by another six months of sober living, alumni housing, transition. And so I think we used to joke at Peaks Recovery, the hours of group that you would be in by the time you got out of the six months was near 400 hours of group therapy. Uh-huh. Absolutely, it was. 100% yeah. therapy every day. Yeah. yeah. I love it. And I was talking with them before the show on how I used to believe, like, you needed every bit of those 400 hours in order to get the message across, in order for to entrench those behaviors. But right. we've actually been talking about something that's a really a breath of fresh air, which is where we're at today in our recovery and where where we see the field moving, certainly where Peaks is going in its effort to disrupt the industry. Um, and Nick's works for a great program here in town of which he's doing the same thing. Uh, but before we get to that, I just wanna, I wanna go back down memory lane a little bit and chat a little bit about, um, you know, when Nick and I met. Um, and I met Nick at uh, Parker Valley Hope yep. um, nearly nine years ago. Yeah. He reminded me this morning that he's got eight years in the field working as a professional now. It's just amazing. But maybe take me back to, you know, where you were on that day when we met coming, coming into Parker Valley Hope for maybe a second or third time. Yeah. Actually, take us back there, kind of where you were at and what was going on for you at the time. Yeah, absolutely. So... I had gone to two treatment centers prior to Parker Valley Hope, um, and I used methamphetamines and heroin mostly, but anything really that you'd get me, right? Um, and I lived this way for so long with no consequences to my actions, right? Like I could just do whatever I wanted, and I thought the world really owed me something in a sense. Um, so I never really had any follow through, and all of that changed when I went to jail, right? I got arrested for some drug charges and I spent uh, like six months in jail. And I really learned that there are real life consequences to my actions and I needed to change my behavior. And at that point I was so ready to get sober. I was knew that that was what I wanted to do, right? And I get out of jail, I go back home and I stay hidden for a month, right? And I immediately relapse, right? I hang out with one person and I'm right back in it. Um, and I couldn't understand why I couldn't understand where that was coming from because I wanted it so bad. Right. <clears throat> so I decided to go to Parker Valley Hope and I told my mom, um, who was, uh, rightfully upset at the time. Right. I had done a lot of harm and damage in that relationship. And for me to have relapsed after everything that just happened was so impactful for her and so difficult. And I completely understand why, um, so I went to Park Valley Hope for a little bit, and there I was like, I'm on it. I got it. I'm going to stay sober this time, right? And I get there. I'm about 25 days in, and we got in a car with someone who had discharged, and she started passing out her medication like candy, and no thought in my mind, I just take it, right? And it was in that moment 
well, actually probably like an hour later when I was like, what am I doing? Like, mm -hmm. why can't I do this? Um, so I talked with a therapist there and he recommended a brand new program in the spring that was coming out here and gave me Chris's number, um, or your number, I guess I should say. <laughs> and it, I don't know what it was, right? Like I talked to you about it and I was so scared and I was like, Colorado Springs, I don't know right. about that. Yeah. Um, and I was like a year, that's wild, yeah. but I really had no other options, right? It's been a resident for eight years now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lived here for eight years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was just this feeling of that you understood where I came from, right? You'd been there before and you were able to do it. That really pushed me to do that kind of stuff. So I agreed to do it. I moved into that, uh, down into a suburb living until Peaks opened and immediately enrolled. Yeah. But yeah. I love that. And I love going down memory lane. And <clears throat> I was even talking with Nick earlier, you know, the way that we approached, um, recovery or sobriety at the time was much different than we approach mental health now mm -hmm. and for really really good reason yeah. um but you actually thrived in the program yeah um, you ended up thriving there was a moment in there i remember there was a moment in there when i was going into circle and i was talking to your mom and i'm like he's probably gonna make me kick him out you know and this was back when we actually kicked people out of treatment you know uh -huh. and, yeah yeah <laughs> now we would never do that ever um I go in there and, and, and I check in with you and I just remember very clearly the message that you got across to me was, Chris, I want this so bad. Yep. I'm struggling with finding a path in which to get there, yep. but I want you to know that I want this just as much as I want the next piece of air mm -hmm. to breathe. Absolutely. And it was, it was so intense. I remember a conversation we had uh, in the early parts of my treatment and I was upset at a therapist and was yelling at them and I was in your office and I was like I want this and I was like crying hysterically and there, everything in me was like leave leave you can't do this you can't do this but there was this voice in my head that was like you need this you need to be here um so I don't know if it was ever necessarily a want it was more of a need like yeah. my body craving this yeah, in a sense. What would you say was the turning point for you? Like, what time was it? At was it at Peaks? Was it when you left? Where you were like, I know I'm. I think I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah, I have hope, and I'm starting to scratch the surface of like this quality of life, happiness thing. What was what was the shift for you in you, that setting? Yeah, you know, I actually know exactly what it was, yeah. right? And it's you. <laughs> if we're really honest, you and Tammy were really the two people in there that showed me I could do this, right? And it was not easy ever, 100% of the time. And it was in your face style of treatment where you were going to do it or you weren't going to do it. But on everything and everything and every aspect, I always knew that you cared about me as a person. And it wasn't just a name. I wasn't just a number I, that you saw something in me that I could do it. And I think the care and compassion that I received in that made all of the other stuff worth it. Like it. I knew where that stuff was coming from and it wasn't out of like a, a hurtful way. It was a way to get me to see what I needed to do. And so when I learned that I can have value in a different way, that even if I'm reacting strongly in emotion and I can't control what's happening, that somebody loved and cared about me no matter what, no matter how I showed up and they would remain consistent in that messaging to me um, was really the change. Well, I really appreciate you saying that too. And it, it is too. It's, it's interesting. It doesn't take hundreds of people. It, it literally takes, and, and my recovery is the same example of like, 
they wrapped three to five really, really great people around me. Mm-hmm. And I became the multitude of their experiences. Yeah. And so even though at the time, you know, the information, the set and setting was far more intense, I think Peaks Recovery has kind of always hit on that Theodore Roosevelt quote that says, nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. Absolutely. Um, and at the time, man, we were all kind of eating that uh, that uh, <laughs> that scrambled sandwich. Uh-huh. You know? But it worked. Yeah. Right? And it, it, I think it provides such a cool opportunity to think about recovery in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. Because recovery doesn't always look like perfect, mm-hmm. right? But you can be there and you can get through it yeah. if you have the right people around you in the yeah. community. It's such a valuable point. I'll talk to people in the early stages of recovery sometimes and say, what's, what's the biggest thing you would do? Like I'm yeah. transitioning out of inpatient. Like I got my therapy set up. I got the IOP. I got my meetings. I got this. What's the biggest thing you would do? And I'd say, have a coffee with three or four of these guys every single week. Have it in your phone. Be intentional about it and never miss it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that really? That easy? I'm like, all the other stuff is great. Yeah. But what satiates is healing and community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we can heal in community, it's one thing, and I say it all the time, it's one thing to be seen, valued, and heard in our families of origin. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. You know, and your family, the biggest fans. But right. to go into community, which is where I feel the most shame. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I'm isolated, disconnected, all alone in this very dark place. Right. To go into community and not only be seen, valued, and heard, but praised, affirmed. Yeah. It's pretty special. It's insane. And I even think a big thing for me, right, is I have always been really comfortable with who I am as a person, right? I've never really tried to change that or hide who I am. Sure. Um, but I think subconsciously I always have this idea that especially straight males wouldn't accept me or be there for me. And I needed to fear them in a sense. Right. And to have a role model who is a straight male be so loving and caring and supportive in a different way really opened my eyes on what people really are and who they can really be. Yeah. Right? And these uh, prejudices or preconceived notions really serve a purpose to keep us stuck in the mode we're in. Yeah. Right? And it makes a lot of sense to why, why you came to that conclusion. Right. That's just not safe. Yeah. Um, and then that's what recovery was for me and maybe for you as well. In a lot of ways, a lot of it, the presenting information that was unsafe. Yeah. Because it's authentic and it's vulnerable. And I just saying that gives me chill. I know. I'm like, like, right now. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, we're going to have to work into this. Right. Um, and that's something I loved, 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 loved about your process is I gave you every opportunity to give up. (laughs) Uh I would say, Nick, I'll walk with you as far as you're willing to walk. But if you're going to stop today, there it is. And you would say, I'm not going anywhere, man. And I just really, really was drawn to that energy. Um, And it's been really cool, Um, not only on the early stages of Peaks, watching you flourish and thrive and be one of our first graduates. I remember sitting up at Northfield, man. It's like when I look back at um, my professional career, man, it might be one of the proudest days. Just the, it was special. It was really, really special because what we have on the front end is we have family system that's tattered and torn Mm -hmm. and debilitated. Um, And at the end, we have this beautiful synchronization of the family system coming together not fully healed but willing to grow together right and it's just uh that's magical absolutely and i think it's so interesting because i've always had a very supportive family my mother um has been my biggest fan ever forever and always my sister's great um the new parts of my extended family are also great too and they've always been very supportive of me um but it was so different from what the world was telling me it should look like, right? From what society and teachers and things like that told me I was going to be because of the attitude I had. 
right? Or because I used drugs or because I skipped classes, right? That I was a failure and I was going to be a failure. And to see a community know all of the things that I had done, all of this stuff and how I've shown up and moments that I'm really not proud of, but still love me and be there for me. And it just really changed my whole belief around what community is and what it can be for you. Yeah, that counterbalancing is, 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 I say it a lot, the counterbalancing thing is just, it's tremendous. Yeah. And absolutely. Right away too, like when, even when you got out of peaks, man, you started living right away. I'm actually just came top of mind. Like you start traveling. Yeah. I mean, you're going to New York city. You've been abroad. Yeah. Um, going to New York city. Yeah, absolutely. And those are things I never thought I would be able to do. Right. I remember the first trip I took actually after I graduated from peaks and it was to do an immense trip with a friend of mine um to pennsylvania and just to be there in that environment and to to be able to like get it go to an airport and go through new york city and hang out and have no thought in my mind of i need to get high to do this uh was just so eye-opening to me and just something i really think about today right of this why do i need to cope through each of these situations and do I have the ability now to have these beautiful opportunities because of the hard work that I've been through, right? Um, and something I actually talk about a lot in treatment is like, our, we didn't get sober for our lives to be boring, yeah. right? 100%. Why would we get sober? Sure. Yeah. You know? So it's how do you build that stuff in your life that you like to do that makes it worth it, that makes all of the hard work worth it, Yeah. you know? And I love that too, because you get to allow, you know, it's one thing to go into treatment and then to get out and start working in treatment yeah. and then share that experience, strength and hope. Uh-huh. And then you sit here today and you sit with clients that you get to serve and you get to ex- share the experience, strength, and hope that you've had over the last eight years. Yeah. And folks can begin to see themselves within your recovery story mm-hmm. because it's so open-minded and it's so broad. Everybody's welcome inside. Right. It doesn't have all these hard edges and like quick jabs. It's just like, if you want, if you truly want what we have, just come walk with us. Yeah. You know? And we're here for you. Yeah. Always. Which is really, really cool. And it's not one of those like, yeah, and if you're not an alcoholic, go get drunk. Figure it out. Yeah. You know, which yeah. isn't good uh, the greatest information in 2023. Right. Uh, Absolutely. And I think even if we just think about what builds sobriety, right? Like I always used to, when I was new in the field, think that sobriety came from the actions you took, right? And that you had to have consequences for these actions to get sober. True. And what I found recently in the last couple of years is that's not always the case, right? Like you can get sobriety through trauma therapy, right? You can get sobriety through medications for certain people. And I think I've been so inspired by how open the recovery has become, right? It's become this multi-pathway approach that really meets you where you're at. And I think that is really the answer, right? Because every day we can pretend that this thing's working and this thing's working and it's going to work this way. But until we find what really works for us, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and I think that what works for us isn't going to work for everybody. Right. And it's okay to say that. Yeah. And there may be some things that work for me that work for you that work for him as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. But I love the way today in 2023, we can zoom out mm-hmm. and we can really find what serves us. Right. And I think the question, it begs itself, and I'm sure you do this with clients and we'll get into kind of your professional experience now, but you know, sitting down with clients and becoming more curious around like, well, so we use math. When did you first use it? What did it do for you? Yeah. And then they'll go on this story. And if you ask someone new in recovery what the meth did for them, then we can begin to maybe solidify some resources that we can plug into that need box by way of healthy coping mechanisms. Right. We have to understand for a moment what drugs did for people. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think really the the simple answer, simplest answer for that is they provided our ability to cope with the world around us, right? They numb every emotion we're feeling. So that way the big scary stuff doesn't matter, right? Because if I'm high now, then I don't need to think about what happened to me as a child. I don't need to think about what happened in the spite I had with my significant other or whoever the case is. I love that you say that too, because it's not for the viewers. I know there's some viewers that are thinking like, I never think about my trauma when I'm getting high. It's not like that. No, no. It's like, I want I want to not be present. Yeah. I want to get the hell out of whatever I'm sitting in right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get out of that. Yeah. But generally speaking, if, if we were to get quiet and safe and have a therapist there, we would walk that back right. to a spot initially where substances weren't around mm-hmm. and a simple need wasn't met. Right. Absolutely. And that need wasn't met. We form what's called adaptive behaviors that quickly with substances at least yeah. turn maladaptive pretty quickly so quickly so very quickly <laughs> right because um gabor mate says this best i say it all the time on the show it's hard to get enough of something that almost works yeah right absolutely it is because it worked so well yeah it worked for everything yep um almost too well because then it starts to numb all of the good things yep. that you have in your lack right and then it just becomes this whole part of your identity and i really think that if you can really roll back the need there, right? Like, why do I need to numb? Right. Right. What is that behind it? That's what's going to help you stay sober. Yeah. You know, can I get in there and repair some of that connective tissue? Because, yeah, you know, we struggled with mental health far before we ever found a drink or a drug. Right. Absolutely. You know, I had the ADD thing going. I couldn't sit still. My right leg tapped something fierce. I say it every week yeah. on this show. And then when I smoked and I drank, it went, my leg went and it stopped. Uh huh. And I was like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Now I can talk to you guys. So yeah, you know, absolutely. And so it's hard to let that go, especially when it becomes a coping mechanism for people. It's such a crucially developmental part of their life. Absolutely. And really, it, really entrenched there. Yeah, it becomes your whole identity in mm-hmm. a way. And I think my thing was anxiety, right? I was so afraid of what other people thought of me or how I was going to show up in this situation or if somebody was going to think I was stupid because I said this, right? And so if I, the second I did those things, all of that was gone and I could be this confident person that I really wanted to be on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, it's like, I can't do anything. Right. It's just, it <laughs> yeah. turns on me. But again, we're trying to get back to that homeostasis that the adaptive behavior initially provided us. Right. Absolutely. So, um, professionally, man, it's been cool. Cause Nick has also worked for peaks. Yeah. He was our residential director. He was a, what is now called client care aid house manager. Mm-hmm. Um, it was our residential director. Um, has moved on to kind of bigger and better things, but maybe let's just talk a little bit about like what you're doing professionally for people in the community. I know you work for a, a place up the road about 20 minutes north of us. Yeah. I think we do some cross referring and things like that, which is amazing. But talk to me a little bit about being a professional and how your, I think your authentic approach to recovery today is able to meet people where they're at and maybe differently than how we used to do it in the past. Yeah, you're able to see maybe clients settle. Right. Better as a result of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think so. I started working in the field right after graduating out of alumni. Right. And I had the only experience I had in my toolbox at this point was AA and you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. The style. Right. Hammer, baby. Yeah, absolutely. And it worked just for a minute uh-huh. <laughs> um, for some people. Yeah. Right. And so I went in there and I was that same person. And I was like, this is what we're doing. You got to do it this way. And you have to do these things and you have to pray and you have to X, Y, Z. Right. Um, and slowly over time, I've been able to build this more trauma informed approach. Right. Of taking into account the whole person and like mm-hmm. why they're doing these things. And so 
I worked there for a while. I've done so many different things. I've had such a beautiful opportunity in my life to try out so many different areas in treatment. Um, I've done mis- uh, admissions and marketing. I've done direct client care with like house managing and client care advocates and uh, techs, right? And I've done um, nonprofit. Yeah, I've worked yeah. at a nonprofit where I worked with a homeless youth population in a different way, in a harm reduction approach way, right? Which it's called The Place. It's in Colorado Springs. They're beautiful. Wonderful. Amazing organization. Yeah. Um, and there I learned that recovery and what it means to be in recovery doesn't always need to look like full abstinence for someone, right? Because not everybody is going to be able or willing or even want that in their life, right? And so how do you make your life measurably better and be what you want it to be? And I think that was so eye-opening for me and I really am so grateful to have that opportunity to have worked there and and see that in a different way. Um, That's really cool because what they essentially do, we do it similarly now, but maybe a bit different is we have someone come in in the front end and define a quality of life score. Right. And the goal is by the time you, know, you come in with a zero quality of life, we just want you to get up to like a seven yeah. or an eight and that quality of life might be worth living. Right. So I love that approach and the way that you approach that. Yeah. Especially, and it was far, far before my time of seeing it that clearly. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's, it all comes from these experiences, right? And this like open willingness to like look at life in a different way that I really learned through all of the treatment I went to. Right. Um, how long were you at the nonprofit? I worked there for about two and a half years okay. there and I did, um, case management through their housing program for a while. And then I did some data stuff on the okay. back end as well there. Um, but my real passion is addiction treatment really, you know, and it, um, it was great and I love it and I would go back probably actually, yeah. but, um, addiction treatment really gives me the need, right? Like, and I just feel like I'm in my own when I'm in there and I'm talking about it, you yeah. know, you don't have to think about it much. Right. It's your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I can sit in a group of people and get people who are so opposed to doing group therapy to be at the end of group like I really appreciate you that was great I really learned a lot and this this and this yeah and I think it really comes from this authentic approach and just really meeting people where they're at right um I think that a lot of times we have these notions of what things have to look like in order for it to be okay but or successful or yeah yeah to be successful to be masculine to be feminine to be a person to be an American, right? Yeah. And I think when we really look at it, like who made those rules? Who decides that that's what it is? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and it really goes back to that is like, instead of people coming in, you know, maybe nine years ago and trying to change who they are, mm-hmm. it's really showing them that they're, as I said on the front end, yeah. valuable and perfect, just how they came into this world. Right. And there's been something, and I'll go back to the quote, it's the unalignment of the true, genuine, authentic self. Right. Is the trauma and the healing is the realignment. Yeah. yeah. So when folks, when we can find folks coming back into their, um, their real self and aligned with that, it's right. inspiring, not only for me, but the person that's walking through it. Absolutely. And I think that really is the thing is how do you live your most authentic self and what is your identity? Right. And I, I struggled with that question for such a long time. And I, I even, we were talking about it earlier, right. And uh, recovery, my whole identity was being a sober person, right? And that was all I tried to be. But I'm really missing huge parts of my life, right? Like, I'm a college student, I'm an artist, I'm a son, I'm a friend, I'm a brother, right? I'm a significant other, whatever the case is. 
and to to define myself so solely in one aspect of my life made me cut off other parts of me, yeah. right? And then I'm still spinning anxiety and I'm still doing all of these things because it was the same thing I tried to do when I was using drugs. My whole identity became a drug addict, right? Yeah. And even in, in the, the identification, the identity that rolls along with it, like you said, it's so hard to get up and up and off of that. Right. I, had a, I had this really cool opportunity um, last week in group um, to check in in women's group on Thursday. And um, this female checked in with me. She's like, I don't know what it is right now, but I'm getting, um, it's a good feeling of having you in group. I've just been to a lot of treatment programs that you can tell they really don't care. Uh -huh. And the way that she introduced herself, she said, my name's so-and-so. No, she said, I'm an addict and my name is so-and-so. And by the end of the group, we were able to circle back around and say that, like, you're so many more things than that. Yeah. Having just sat with you an hour, I can see you're kind, compassionate, beautiful, right. caring, insightful. Mm -hmm. And you're not a good mother. You're a great mother because good mothers stay out there. Uh-huh. And it's that beautiful thing. And yeah. I love that we get to kind of share this energy together, Nick, because we used to share the more intense energy. Uh-huh. Yeah. People will come to me sometimes. They're like, how could you be Mr. And not just Mr. 12 step, but Mr. Intensity and recovery and then shift over to this side. Don't you feel like a fraud? And I say, absolutely not. It was the book that I had to read at the time. I will stop at nothing to let people know that like they matter. Right. Mental health matters. Right. And we can really do this together in a really powerful way. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually would say to you that you've always been that way in my eyes, right? Because it was intense and it was in your face, but it was always that I mattered and that I was valuable and I was important regardless of the style of treatment that we went through, right? And I think that something I was actually talking to recently with my clinical director about some different things we're trying to work on is our toolbox, right? And we have this toolbox. And eventually when we run out of tools, right, we start to just be like, well, I can't do it. What am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that that really reminds me of the style of this like in your face treatment, right? It's the only thing that we have in our toolbox is a change in behavior. And it really, life has evolved so much from this. Yeah. Right? And that is part of it, right? Like we need to change behavior and we need to be able to do those things. But how do we do that and why we do that is different now. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really cool, man. It's such a fresh perspective. And as we talked about on the front end of the show, it's just the people that we get to serve, the, the ability for young people, mature adults, you name it, to come into the presence of a stranger and receive information today from a compassionate approach. Sure is so much more directed. I mean, the, the ability for people just to settle and get safe is so cool when you meet them where they're at. Yeah. You know, instead of a place that they have been. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I think even meeting people where they're at has changed so differently, right? Because in my mind, when I used to think of that, I was like, okay, meeting you where you're at as a new person in treatment or in whatever meeting or thing you were in, right? But in reality, when I think of meeting someone where they're at, it's more than that. It's more than I'm just here with you now. It's way, how can you get the information I'm providing you? How have the traumatic events in your life dictated how you show up in this moment right now, right? It's almost how Frisma Jason, always defines empathy is like, instead of defining the shitty hole you're in, you get down in the hole and explore it with them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Jason always sounds like, dude, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I want to end with this. You have uh, a name on your arm. Yeah. I want to talk about that for a second. Yeah. Um, Ryan. Right. Ryan was a, your best friend. He was. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was, so we went to Parker Valley Hope and met there. 
Um, and then we were both coming to Peaks, and so we went to Sober Living together until the house opened. Uh, through treatment, we were in the same groups every day. We actually worked at the same restaurant together when John. we were in treatment. Yeah, oh. Jimmy John, um, which was the first job I actually ever had. So I always really. tell people there, <laughs> and I always tell people like you wanted to get a job at Fascination. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're like, I don't want that. I'm like Nick, come on, man, not right now. And you're like, and you ended up getting a job at Jimmy John. Yeah, and then I got the job at Jimmy John. Yeah, absolutely, and got other people jobs at Jimmy John. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. And so we were so close. We were together all of the time, and. Uh, he ended up relapsing um, and passing away uh, on Thanksgiving, actually, of 20... What was the play? 15. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it's been so long since then. Um, and that was really the first death that I experienced in a different way, right? Like, I... The unfortunate part of working in treatment is there is people that pass around you, and it's really difficult. Um, but... I was so close to this person in a different way and to lose him and especially this person who I really thought of as like doing everything they could for their sobriety, right? They were in the rooms, they were doing the things, they were showing up from my perspective. Um, and to lose that person was so impactful for me in a different way. And I really think that opened my eyes up to recovery and what it really means because I always thought it was you had to do X, Y, Z, you had to check the boxes to be in recovery and you would be okay if you did that. But that's not always the case in life. Yeah. And it's so person-centered about what's going on with them. Yeah, I bring his name up. There's just nobody who fought for recovery. Whatever it was, if we had a lapse or something happened, you know, he, he'd be in there fighting again. He was really good at the rebound. I don't know that anybody wanted it as bad as he did. Right. But it's not necessarily about that. And I, I bring that up today that I just think he would have um, thrived with this type of model. Right. You know, and he would have moved into it. But now we get to share his name and carry on his energy. Yeah. Um, in a really, really cool recovery fashion with each and every person that we get to sit with. But that was the first death I'd experienced on the peak side. Yeah. Since we've been out here. So it was really, really impactful for all of us. Right. And scary. And it really shakes the foundation of the early recovery stages of what you've built on top of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I tend to believe that like you're living, you know, with that tattoo there yep. in his memory and, and doing it in such a tremendous way, man. And I bet he's just looking down and being like, that's yeah. my guy right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's really what it is, is I try to keep those memories in mind, right? Of like, this is why I do this. Yeah. This is why I show up every day and I handle that. And I am the person I am today. It's beautiful, man. Because if we, if we really zoom out, we got to spend a year with somebody mm -hmm. and maybe the best part of his life. Absolutely. You have to watch someone come in, and that's why I'm so gifted. I People are always like, hey, oh, you do that for work? I'm like, are you kidding me? I get to watch people come in hopeless and experience hope. It's tremendous. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I feel oh. the same way. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm grateful for the time that we got to spend because it was really great quality time. Absolutely. It was. I mean, it's a, an experience I'll probably never, hopefully never, <laughs> yeah. have again, right, of this so close, so vulnerable, so honest, talking about these things, going through this difficult experience together and really being able to bond in a different way. Um, and I would never change that for the world, right? I have, I'll tell stories about what it was like for me in treatment and people are like, wow, you stayed there? What? I could have never done that. And I would never change that experience for the world, right? Because I gained so much from it. I was able to get through it and I was able to do it. And I loved being there honestly like there are times in my life where i'm like god what it would be right? to just be back at peak right back, man, that's chill uh-huh you guys taking me to my appointment 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me hop in the van. Yeah. We'll go to the grocery store. Yeah. We're the signs. It doesn't matter. We were talking about that the other day. Holy smoke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, man. It's been a just absolute pleasure having you on the on the show, Nick. And I'm just overjoyed, not only with your recovery, but the impact that you're making in the community. I Years ago when I got into recovery and I, I knew that God had put me on this earth to help other people find recovery. I thought to myself, if I could help one person, and you've helped hundreds. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Really, really appreciate it. Me too. Well, all right, everybody. That is it for another amazing episode of Finding Peaks. Make sure you tune in to get us watched. Um, podcast, Instagram, TikTok. What else we got Finding Peaks? We got Apple Music, Spotify. Did I say Spotify? Yeah. Um, so check us out on all of those outlets. Um, you can also rewatch these episodes on our website, peaksrecovery.com. Go on about the About Us page and you'll find all of those videos. So until next time, where we bring on great professionals and even better humans. Peace. Peace.